Hey everybody, welcome back to the Tome to the Machine podcast. I'm your host, Ryan. This podcast, I sit down with Robert Inhuman. Robert is a definitely a force here in the Cincinnati DIY music scene. He books shows, he just opened an all-ages venue, he plays in numerous musical projects. Um, there was just a retrospective of his flyers and handbill art um, that, that just occurred a couple weekends ago. He's all over the board. Um, he's doing a lot. He's, he's one of the most uh, authentic and um, somebody who just lives his ideals um, on his sleeve and is, um, I, I think you'll find in the interview, very introspective, um, very intelligent, very well-spoken. It was, it was a fascinating, um, it, it's a fascinating interview. Uh, I think we've talked earlier on the podcast about um, experimental music and especially things that are on the noisier side, kind of a distillation of some of the harsher, more extreme aspects of uh, punk and hardcore and metal, um, kind of that really loud, fast distortion um, that, that draws so many people in. And, and Robert's um, musical uh, musical trajectory with his projects through um, Realicide, Decide Today, um, really kind of encapsulate that. Um, he's in a lot of other things. Dreams in Hell is a goth rock, death rock project that's that's really really good um yeah anyway i i think you'll really enjoy the interview um even though even if you're not familiar with robert's um with robert's musical output um i i think it, it gives a good uh, good view a good window into a world of experimental music that um I'm, I'm certainly not that familiar with um and i don't think i i represent that well but it is still um incredibly fascinating to me and I, I think is much uh, much needed to explore and much overdue. I hope you enjoyed the interview. Go to tometothewethermachine.com where you can read more music reviews, look at some music videos, um, kind of check out what we've all been listening to. Um, also, today is Robert's birthday, um, so that's a happy coincidence. Happy birthday, Robert. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Bye. The passive observer, your attitude is our enemy. But the rising sucking motherfucker fake reality.
Oh, I guess I'll just start with my little introduction. Um, so I'm hitting. I'm sitting here with Robert Inhuman. Um, basically, if you've booked a show in Cincinnati um, or toured through here, you've probably met or booked a show through Robert. Uh, he's a very active force in the Cincinnati DIY scene. Um, and just an all-around interesting dude. So I thought I'd sit down and we would talk a little bit about, uh, uh, I guess, experimental music and, and your um, your connection to it and thoughts on just uh, music here in Cincinnati. So I, I kind of want to get um, a little bit of a background. Uh, where, did you, where did you grow up? You grew up here in Cincinnati? Um, yeah, I'm definitely from Cincinnati. Um, I went to school down in OTR at SCP, uh, SCPA, before, you know, the old one before it moved, okay. more recently. Um, yeah, and I spent most of my younger years hanging out at, I mean, back then, Clifton was really different, so we were in Clifton a lot, and Northside was, like, slowly starting to become, like, what it ended up being, like, more nowadays. So what, what, part, of the, uh, what part of Cincinnati did you grow up in? Uh, I mean, I lived in College Hill, okay, which is just up the hill north of Northside, yeah. kind of like on the on the edge of the city limits. Because North College Hill is technically outside of Cincinnati, but College Hill is still is still part of the city. Mm -hmm. So um, that's why I was still going to like Cincinnati Public School. Mm -hmm. um, but so I lived in College Hill, but I was I was mainly hanging up in Over the Rhine. Clifton and a little bit in Northside, like because Northside was starting starting to kind of like be on its way up. Like Shake It Records was opening, like you know, in the late '90s and stuff like that. Th things were starting to shift from Clifton to Northside, like little by little. Sure. What, what was so? What was OTR back like back <clears throat> then? I'm, I'm not a Cincinnati native, mm -hmm. obviously. So um, it was it was pretty pretty different. Uh, um, well, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of, it's hard to remember super vividly. I mean, I was younger, but I don't know. It was, it, it, it's like how some parts of it still are, mm -hmm. but this, like how Vine Street is now with all of the like yuppie restaurants. Yeah. That, that wasn't there at all. So basically there's like that uh, division at Kroger. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, and yeah. one part is like. Completely gentrified, yeah. and and the other part is completely not gentrified mm -hmm. yet. Yeah, uh, the OCR that I grew up with was was definitely before that stuff was happening. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, there weren't really traces of of that. I mean, there was there were places that it that were like um, kind of a little bohemian hubs like Caldi's coffee shop that were for was like another part of the forest was that mm, there back then I don't think so okay no I don't think so I think that's more recent mm -hmm. but um but Mike uh who had a, another part of the forest who uh who died a few months ago uh that Caldi's was his thing too okay. I'm pretty sure so yeah there were like little bohemian like artist hubs other than that it was mainly just like families that had been over the Rhine for like a long time mm -hmm. and SCPA was at um 13th and Sycamore okay and it's like it was the old like Woodward building oh. it's, it's it's a beautiful building yeah. it's like five stories 
all these like statues and paintings like like built into the architecture mm -hmm. like the floors and ceilings and everything were like fantastic i mean it was a really amazing building like it's like historic so it can't get torn down but i've heard that it's just going to be condos now. okay and I know, I know the moving of SPCA to its new location SPCA was... SPCA is... S <laughs> That's... Okay. Every, no, S I, know, I know you didn't go to school at the SPCA. I mean, I could, I could think of worse places to go to school. <laughs> What's the acronym again? Uh, SC, School for Creative and Performing Arts. So that... Uh, SPCA is like Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals. Yeah, which I'm also... Down, I'm down with both, yeah. Which is also Northside, which, yeah. which is Northside. But I know the, the moving of S... C S C P A, P -A yeah. was yeah that was, that was pretty controversial. Um, mm -hmm. Moving it right next to the drop-in center in Washington yeah. Park and it's kind of weird. I haven't been in the new in the new building yet ever. It's like, I mean, yeah, it's like I'm, I've been out of high school. I graduated high school in two thousand, so mm -hmm. the, that was like you know a good decade later. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So uh, what I'm really interested in is in music and uh, personal identity and like, sure. personal development. What what were some really important early um, artists or imp important early experiences that you had with music that uh, I guess that just made that, that just clicked with you? <clears throat> well, especially if we're going to be talking about people's leanings towards the the experimental and avant garde, I'd say my my origins were in kind of like punk and like weird alternative rock in the 90s and kind of gearing gravitating towards things that used electronics and things that were like unusual to me unusual in one way or another and um kind of wanting to find something that went further than punk because mm. um i mean punk was always appealing because it was like pissed off and youthful and everything but had like pictures of skulls and like you know middle fingers on it and mm -hmm. whatever but um but it was still just like rock and roll to me and mm -hmm. i mean even even when i was a teenager i never really associated rock and roll with being like a true rebellious kind of like vibe i saw it as like something that my parents could still like get down with so i was looking for like for me what what something that went like further mm -hmm. that was even more punk than like punk rock so so what was that for you for me like early on like one of the one of the first things that i found that that kind of helped me like pursue that direction was like definitely was skinny puppy mm. so like that was you know when i was like 15 that was that was definitely the strangest thing that i had found yet right and i and i just like went with it i mean i didn't have the internet back then mm -hmm. And it was uh, just a matter of, um, you know, Nine Inch Nails was really popular. Mm -hmm. And so it was a matter of, like, borrowing, like, some stupid guitar player magazine uh, that would do an article about, like, the popular Nine Inch Nails and then saying, like, oh, well, this is considered industrial music. Mm. So let's trace, like, where this is coming from. And it would be this kind of half-assed... Um, uh, his uh history of industrial music it was industrial rock music sure. it was like a, just a guitar magazine yeah but you know they would name drop people like Thetis and like genesis peorage and like skinny puppy and test department and coil and things like that 
And so I was just like taking notes and just trying, you know, when Shake It Open, you know, they would have some of that stuff. And I actually got fetus albums mm-hmm. for the first time there. Uh, yeah, like I would, I would just, anything that I could find out about that was like strange, you know, like a friend would make, make me like a mixtape that would have a, an Atari Teenage Riot track on it. And, sure. you know, and then I would just look through all the used CD stores until I found something you know, some obscure thing that somebody like kind of like a nurse with wound CD mm-hmm. or something like that. And, uh, and to me, uh, the appeal was like, it was, it was taking things further than punk rock. It was like, um, and you know, as, as I started, like, you know how we were talking about blues before the internet or the interview started, uh, how, how jazz comes out of blues where it's sort of a thing where, that's it. Blues is uh is uh taken over uh by mainstream or do- dominant culture rather, and um and so you know it's like all right, well you like that, well then we're gonna do jazz and bebop and other stuff that like makes it harder and harder for you right. to like take control of like our our thing, and uh I mean that's to me like I, that make that makes sense the same way I was like starting it at. Uh, like punk rock music and wanting to go to industrial and then wanting to go to noise and power electronics and like um, trying to, you know, just see, especially in my late teens and early twenties, I was specifically interested in just finding like whatever was going further. And that, Mm. and that was at the sacrifice of um, listening to things that were popular as at the sacrifice of like having more friends and more people to share it with because it's, you know, generally going to be an, more of an unpopular pursuit because it's 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 by its intent like very alienating it's it is yeah yeah. but it's it's liberating too as an as an artist and as someone who can draw parallels between between um a radicalization of my recreation and my and a radicalization of my like personal like life philosophy and like social philosophies so i mean i'm somebody that that uh almost obsessively looks for those parallels like hmm. i i think the, the the word for the word for that behavior is often like uh quixotic you know where it's sort of like a this um uh sense of uh like seeking this like self-importance like seeking this like this uh romanticized like wanting to feel like it really means something but like sure. it's it's led it's led me to a lot of critical thought and, and um healthy constructive self-criticism and there was definitely the cornerstone of a lot of my pursuit of the avant-garde, especially in my more like formative years as mm-hmm. like leaving my teens and becoming a young adult who was going to be a performer and somebody who was going to be putting myself out there on the proverbial stage, mm-hmm. you know? So that development of, uh, I guess you could say your personal politics, did that develop, um, did that coincide or did that go hand in hand with your... Um, increasingly, um, an increasing uh, amount of consumption of, I guess, avant-garde or, um, I guess, just uh, more alienating music than, yeah, like the three-chord, you know, punk songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, my 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 personal, uh, the radicalization of my uh, personality as far as like where I fit in, like my my social radicalization was was far behind my artistic mm. radicalization by far, like. Um, and I, I think that for, um, a lot of my, 
uh, earlier years, I felt I fell into um, something I see common with people who who um, get into noise and other things that are just uh, very very uh, uh, sonically and artistically challenging. Mm-hmm. But they're they they focus on that. But as far as uh, challenges to how they fit in socially or 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 even have um some kind of intentful rejection of uh, societal norms um it's it's usually falls into um an unfortunate stereotype of being like accidentally nihilistic Mm -hmm. so i always thought it was kind of misanthropic yeah oh yeah and and that's and that's definitely i'm coming from there for sure i remember Mm -hmm. when i found out what the word misanthropy was when i was a teenager and i was a about it, man. I, like <laughs> that was the name of that was the name of the next zine, zine that I made for sure. It was I made a little a tape to go along with it that was just a bunch of stuff that sounded like super lo-fi skinny puppy ripoff, and uh, it was very misanthropic. So I, I get what you're saying, where um, your exposure to like noise and power electronics and, and stuff like that, industrial was going beyond. Um, I guess your your standard punk and hardcore. I didn't, yeah, I, I didn't want to settle for the the uh, the rock and roll. Get limited to guitar bands. Sure, and I almost think that that um, I guess some some of those things like harsh noise and power electronics mm-hmm. are sort of distilling um, whatever it is about the um, the intensity of something like punk and hardcore metal, and removing all the trappings of. Things like, uh, you know, melody and... Mm-hmm. It really draws a line in the it, sand about yeah. who who's really looking... When people would be like, oh, punk, it's just noise. Like, <laughs> hardcore, it's just noise. It's like... <laughs> and it, it's, it, it calls their bluff. It's like, yeah. are you down or yeah. not? Yeah. You know? And usually they're not. Usually, usually it turns out the people who would be like, oh, punk, it's just noise. Yeah. Like, usually they're just more rock and rollers just behaving the exact same way that their parents and grandparents were. Right, with just maybe a faster tempo. Maybe, at best. Yeah. Um, so I, this is interesting, because I was talking to Evan about this last night, um, how for somebody like me, the approach to experimental music was definitely something of a building up of tolerance, mm-hmm. um, of, of immediately sort of being repulsed, mm-hmm. and then retreating, and then coming back slowly and slowly, and kind of examining. Mm-hmm. I guess when I got a little bit older, examining... Decontextualizing art and and kind of breaking it down to its very like essence, like okay, what is it about this distortion on oh, yeah. like on this that I, oh, I'm man. that is either repulsing yeah. me or is sort of like drawing me in. So I want I want to contrast my first experience with Skinny Puppy was like I was in I think I was like in early high school or, or mm-hmm. middle school. Somebody put it on like a uh, like a CD or something like that. Sure, and and my first reaction was like skip button skip button skip button like i was like terrified oh yeah but then like then like going back with um decontextualizing a little bit from like bad or good or good or evil or something like that kind of separating the noises from whatever else Mm -hmm. is out there um you know it's it's definitely something that that drew me in and it it, i kind of developed a tolerance for it oh man so what is so what's the difference because it sounds like when you first heard that you're like I'm in. Like this is like. Oh uh, yeah, I, I was I was in for that because I was ready for it at that moment. Well, but you also have to factor in the I 
the first ones that I heard weren't weren't even the most far out ones, mm-hmm. but or they still had like rock elements. Yeah, yeah. But but uh, I can relate to what you're saying as far as building my tolerance. So the first time I heard White House, mm. not saying I'm even a huge White House That's, fan, but yeah, first time I heard White House, I was not ready for that. Or like um, or honestly, the first time I heard Atari Teenage Riot, mm. I I was. Like this is headache music. Like yeah. this is this is like this this is really annoying. This, mm-hmm. Like, and I had to put put it away, but I didn't get rid of the CD. In fact, I remember like getting in an argue with argument with my uh, girlfriend at the time when I was like seventeen, and um we were we were leaving my house, and at the top of my street, she like stopped the car, made me get out of the car, and just throws the ATR CD out the window. I and I picked it up off the sidewalk, and I still have that CD, and like. You know, I didn't. I didn't give up on it. I like went back to it, and I was like, "Let me see what's up with this." And you know, speaking of, um, oh, wow. even like, uh, even being, kind of uh, bracing myself for not having the tolerance to it yet. I remember reading about Robin Gristle, reading about like the early, like the roots of industrial, mm-hmm. and then when Shake It opened, and I would see they'd have like. Robin Gristle's second annual report, and I knew that that mm. was the first one. I knew that that was like where it all began. Yeah, you know, well, where it all began was like Italian dudes in, yeah, the, yeah. in the First World War making like things that you crank a box and, and music, and concrete, yeah. and that stuff. Yeah, yeah. just like a, like a wooden box with a crank on it that makes like the sound of like a, a gun going off. Yeah, or something. yeah, yeah. Like, But uh, but anyway, for like seventies industrial music, I was like second annual report. Like I, and I and I knew I was like. I've already read that this was like just rec- just tape recorded. This is just this isn't gonna be my thing, but it's it's what led to the things that I do like, mm-hmm. you know. So responsibly, I need to check this out, and I need to like have an open mind and be and figure out like even if it, even if it doesn't something become something that I want to listen to every day, I have to like responsibly if I. If I'm not a poser as far as like being into skinny puppy and like ministry and all that other what you know the electronic rock bands like yeah all that stuff was um, I have an appreciation for throbbing gristle and whatnot and I don't know I mean it's part with that stuff it was uh, knowing reading about the philosophy and reading about the context that really really excited me and would like the music listening to the actual album for me back then was like really kind of just an accessory to the excitement that I felt of reading the history of it. Okay. You know, and that's something that, that's something that I took a big cue from like when I started Realicide. I was never really that, um, for, for many of the earlier years of that project, which started in like at the beginning of 2002, uh, I wasn't really interested in making like albums. I wasn't interested in like, like how a normal band, I was supposed to do everything that a, that a, and a conventional band, especially in Cincinnati, wasn't going to do. Instead of like um, recording demos and albums and mm-hmm. stuff, I just wanted to do a lot of shows, tape record them all, and just piss off a lot of people. <laughs> and then years later, um, instead of being like, "Oh yeah, that that Real Side album with those songs on it," like, no, it's it's not that kind of thing. But everybody knows about it because they talk about it because they're like, "Yeah, I remember the first time I saw that." Mm-hmm. Like. Somebody was like bleeding all over the place and like and yelling and like they got banned from the venue and uh, I had never seen anything like that before and then I bought my first drum machine a month later. Nice, you know, like that kind of stuff. 
I mean, it was it was more had more of a notoriety, had more of like a had more of like it was it was taboo. There's still people. I mean, <laughs> dude, it's like 2015. It's been you know before long. It'll be like half my lifetime ago that that I was starting to do that kind of stuff. And there's still people around town today that are that are super not cool with me because they were because their first impression was like maybe like 19 year old Robert, like having his getting on stage at the void and having my friend uh, just beat the fuck out of me while I covered throbbing gristle discipline over like my friends, like just doing noise guitar and like these, like these like amen breaks, like chopped up out of time with like gabber kicks. There's still people who hate my guts because of that back in 2002. So th that's some pretty intense, um, pre pre thought out like performance um, driven <laughs> stuff. It was the, it was the it was the best I could come up with at the time. Yeah, but but, yeah, but, but, but at the same time, like that, that that's a lot more intention than picking up a guitar and yeah. learning a couple of chords. Um, yeah, guitar was never my instrument. Instrument. I had a couple guitars, but I never. Uh, it's just it was never my thing, man. So tell me. So we, we covered a little bit about the the beginning of Real Side. Um, <laughs> that's tell, tell, oh, quite a can of worms. <laughs> yeah. So uh, give us maybe the uh, the Reader's Digest version of what was Real Side, what is Real Side today, and I don't know if you want to get into the intention behind it or, or uh, just it, it's all highlight. It, highlight the intention something. is what it was. Okay. Because there's nearly nothing else besides it's it's widely varying intentions over the years. Realside, like if I could if I could summarize, I'd say it was it was me reading about punk and early industrial, and you know bands like the Screamers, mm -hmm. Throbbing Gristle, uh, Suicide, uh, and me being a really angsty, misanthropic, just like mixed up kid that like wasn't interested in drugs or alcohol or partying, but had a lot of anger and a lot of like depression that I wanted to vent, needed to vent. And it was my best attempt to get my friends together and do what I thought was the contemporary version, what would be necessary to have a similar effect as those early punk and industrial bands. Like hmm. I wanted, I wanted to, I wanted to have the effect that I always read the, in those books that, that those bands had. Like when you read records of civilization or when you, when you, when you read, uh, you know, any of those old like anthologies of like, uh, punk interviews and people like talking about the early days of that, how it was, it was, you were really putting your neck on the line, like, doing mm -hmm. that. think about what Suicide was doing back then, like, what the, how the fuck were Where people, did they come from? it's like, I mean, it's just outrageous, but you, but doing the, if people make the mistake, and I saw my peers, like, everywhere, making the mistake of thinking that if they just mimicked that, mimicked that aesthetic, mm. that they would have the same social effect, when it's not, mm. then all you get mm. is, like, your mom, like, being proud that you're, that you're in a rock band, and and then she knows that it's just a phase, and you'll have like sure. your 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 um. You go back to college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I I knew that I knew that to have the same effect, this the same aesthetic wasn't gonna apply. Yeah. In fact, um, somebody that I talked to early on at the beginning of Realicide, um, 
who was I was I got really into synth punk with like the screamers in a band called Nervous Gender. Mm-hmm. And Edward Stapleton from Nervous Gender, I just got an email for the first time. I just started using the internet and I found an email for Edward from Nervous Gender. And I said, like, hey, like, you know, I just I'm I'm starting my first band and uh, you know, you're this is really inspiring. Like, what would it take to do that now? And he told me, like, it would be totally different now because, like, people are different. People were scared of nervous gender when we were doing that in the late 70s. But if we did the same thing now, like, it wouldn't have the same effect. Why do you times think that are, is? Because times are different. Because, because people... Because it, there's no, it's not new. Mm. And because, because what they were doing back then has been, like using using like synthesizers and using like sequence drums and having a hybrid of like of electronic with uh non-electronic elements and music mm-hmm. like, or like yelling in music and using like feedback and noise yeah. elements like these are not new it, it i can't help but like roll my eyes and groan when people like talk as if like noise music is a new thing or sure. or that or like you know in cincinnati where the idea that like a, an electronic band is this like you know, people see Decide today now, and they're like, "Wow, never heard anything like that." It's like, "Fuck you, fuck you, you fucking like dumbass, like like not like accidentally lying to me when you say that." Like you, you, you have a fucking die ant. What do you call die ant word? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Word. Like you have that in your car. Like, like they just don't understand that that can happen locally. It's not just an MTV. Is isn't, is MTV even around anymore? I don't know. Well, whatever there's like MTV four that plays what, music videos. Whatever, right? whatever, mm-hmm. whatever is MTV now. Yeah, yeah. Like it's YouTube that, now. That yeah, <laughs> you know, it's it's like that's here. That's yeah. it's whatever you. Anyway, real side, real side was me um, calling people's bluff as far as like that punk was supposed to be edgy and it's supposed to be doing your own thing. The idea that uh, that it was whatever you want it to be and there's no rules yeah fucking lying man and the reality mm-hmm. had a lot of had a lot of songs um um written sometimes well and sometimes not well at all but had a lot of songs that were definitely like um our way of of, of calling that subculture out on on the lie that it was about no rules and doing it your own way when no there are these strict yeah. rigid canons of uh of what was acceptable aesthetically stylistically like uh, the content everything well i wanted to have a band that didn't abide by that canon at all and just like was a total fuck you to the subculture that that uh was i saw as a uh, totally a false liberation you know and so yeah we did everything as wrong as we possibly could essentially and put it in people's faces quite a lot. Mm-hmm. And people got really, really upset. And was that the effect that you wanted to have? Not necessarily, but honestly, sometimes, yeah, cause you got to understand, like, I was the oldest one uh, in the group. And I was I, I was just barely getting out of my teen years. So I was like 20 years old. Yeah. Everybody else was in their mid to late teens. Okay. I mean, yeah, they wanted to piss people off. Mm-hmm. But you know what? When you're that age, that's okay. Like... There's a time for that. Just like there's a time to, when you get your first apartment, you go in and spray paint on the wall and punch a hole through something. I mean, sucks to be the landlord, but dude, there's a time for that. You know, I don't do that anymore because I'm a grown ass dude trying to like have like a home that I don't get evicted from and have a band that doesn't uh, get called out for saying like fucked up stuff in front of a lot of people, mm-hmm. like etc. 
But, you know, when you're that age, dude, you've got to, it's, it's, it's healthy, youthful liberation, man. Like it's breaking away from a, it's, it's when like, it's when like saying a cuss word still like Mm -hmm. has this like rush to it because like, you know, you're, you came from a household where that was like yeah. not yeah. allowed. Mm-hmm. You weren't allowed to see R-rated movies, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Like when you're that young, like if you're coming from, um, if you're coming from an environment where there's a lot of rules, like it's important to break them. And later on you can reestablish your own set of rules. And if some of those rules happen to have commonalities with what you were trying to be raised with, mm-hmm. and like, so be it, but figure that out when you grow up, you know? And I also want to talk about the libertarian, the libertarian, libertarian, <laughs> the liberty effect, I guess, mm-hmm. of um, not having to lug around a ton of equipment. Yeah, you could you could set up and you could um, tour out of your car mm-hmm. or extensively uh, yeah, out well, of your backpack. But with but, but with but with real side, uh, with real side, especially once we got more and more serious about. Being taken seriously. How many? How many were in real side? <laughs> Dude, don't explain, even explain, don't even go there. Explain that. Don't even go there. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's something I forgot to mention in, in my summary of, of the project. Uh, it was pretty much like any of our. Fr- if you if you especially in those early years, if you were like into it, like if you came to the show mm-hmm. and you thought it was cool, then you had the option of being in the band. Nice. It wasn't this thing where it was like this elite. It wasn't necessarily a. It was kind of a collective, but really loose. Mm-hmm. You know, it was. It, and it wasn't just a jam thing. It was more intentful than just a jam, because that people would come thinking it was just a jam thing, and they it would really rub them the wrong way. Because there was this. There there was this really unspecific but undeniable. Uh, I don't know. It wasn't even like necessarily linked to magic or anything like that. But it wasn't. It wasn't necessarily like dissimilar. It was. It was us. It was us willing, uh, whatever like, whatever angsty, uh, cathartic social effects that we, that we wanted, like in uh, among our peers and and among these like little pockets of society that would have the misfortune of like encountering our project. Um, but there, there were a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, it, it were core members. Like the core members were people like me, made this concave, Jim Swill, mm-hmm. and like a few others over the years but as far as like um being able to travel lightly um yeah it's like technically kind of but but the thing is like, well, when we decide today and div take are going to europe next month mm-hmm. we leave a month from today actually okay. uh with that yeah we're gonna travel lightly like just a couple of bags with like electronics and you know some cds and stuff to sell but um but we're, once we get there, we're going to try, with the help of some of our friends in France, to do it like we do in the U.S., which is uh, have, like, at least one or two PA systems, have amps, like, have, yeah, it's, it's electronic, but it's, uh, you can't, you, and this is super important, like, PSA for anybody that wants to do like an electronic punk band, you cannot be pitiful. Like mm-hmm. you can, because when, especially in the states, like <clears throat> when you show up and you are telling people, oh yeah, it's like my a hardcore project, and you show up and there's no drum kit, there's no guitars, people are already like not yeah, stoked yeah. on you. So you cannot the show bar is up. Set pretty high. You cannot show up and be quiet. You mm-hmm. cannot show up and like be. You cannot be quieter than 
the punk band that's playing before or after you. Otherwise, like you're by comparison, you're gonna suck. Yeah. So you've got to bring your own amplification. You can't rely on what the venue has because the sound guy probably hates what you're doing and is going to turn you off right away. And so when they do, you will also be playing out of your own system. And so it's fucking war. It's yeah. fucking on. You know? So I guess I should say the equipment, uh, you could probably travel a little bit like, but if, for the full effect. I yeah, mean, the, you want to do it up. Like when I get to France, cheap. we're going to try to like get, you know, amps and PA gear to travel with even in, out in Europe so that mm-hmm. even if some European motherfuckers like want to like try to like cut our sound off during the yeah. set like it'll still be loud as shit nice. you know? and so you now did you live in LA for a while yeah I did I did my time in Los Angeles uh-huh. um I was like my first my first real show there was the summer of 2006 where me and Mavis uh played with a band called Babyland hmm. kind of a uh Kind of an unfortunate name, maybe, but uh, but Babyland's cool. It's like um, it was mainly like a West Coast thing. Like, and we our our tour that summer was um, going from like, uh, Washington, Oregon down to California. So people in the Northwest and down the coast were like, "You're playing with Babyland. They they never play anymore. You're gonna love it." And we're like, "What is that?" Yeah, like, I guess Babyland was like a uh, started in the 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 late '80s, and it's like hmm. a like an industrial punk band kind of like Nitsareb. it's a lot like a Nitsareb kind of thing like like early like uh ebm that has like integrity <laughs> you know like uh so that was like our first la gig at the smell in mm-hmm. the summer of 2006 and uh after that you know we we tore through there more and like uh, at the end of 20 2007 i realized like my phone had more phone numbers from people in California then Ohio mm-hmm. and I was like you know what I think I'm gonna go go out there so 2008 and 9 I was uh living on and off between like a lot of traveling I was like living trying to make like LA my base mm-hmm. lived at lived at a house called um women of Crenshaw that was at uh Crenshaw in Washington in mid-city which is like if you, if you heard the the, cl- the clipping the first yeah, clipping yeah, yeah, that was yeah, called Mid City. Yeah, yeah. That's they they, they live there. Yeah. Okay. Not 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 the same house, but like they were like in that neighborhood. And it, it's yeah. interesting. I think we have we have um, some connections there. Um, you know uh, Jonathan from um, Clipping and yeah, from uh, we uh, uh, Captain Ahab. Captain his, Ahab. His previous band, Captain Ahab, yeah. was uh, we toured with them in the Midwest U.S. in 2007, and I went to Europe with Captain Ahab for the first time nice. in 2008. Captain Ahab was awesome. Um, I've got a kind of an anecdote. Um, so they, uh, I was living in Salt Lake at the time and I was, I was booking shows out there. And um, so I booked uh, Captain Ahab um, at this venue. And it was like a weekday. It was like an all-ages venue, so it was early, you know. <laughs> and nobody came. I felt really bad. Like, there was a... It was so weird. Like, there was but like... What, what year was this? This was like 2010. And okay, so Jim was there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very much. So, <laughs> so you you know you, you know the setup. Um, so like yeah, nobody except for this one guy who like had probably just gotten off work. She was like this like totally button down guy, kind of like you know like a little bit paunchy, and was just like was just like sitting in the back, just like loving every second of it. And that was like it, except for like me and like a couple of my friends. Yeah. So anyway, so Jim is in full effect um, <laughs> with like. Sp- spread him around like four people. He's professional. Yeah, man. that that dude. I remember like he stretches before oh, every yeah. performance. Like I mean, he's like he takes his he takes his role very seriously for sure. And so they stayed with us after after the show, and um and so my wife came to the show and she was just like she was like really worried, you know, like who 
like like what is gonna happen yeah, like yeah. and they were just like the nicest oh, like the sweetest like you know yeah. like jim drank some like herbal tea and then like yeah. you know went to bed early he's like <laughs> yeah those those dudes are the, those dudes are the best yeah yeah and then did you know like uh foot village like yeah brian brian, brian yeah. uh brian will be coming to cincinnati with his new project true Neutral yeah. crew on june 3rd we um yeah so i've, I've been talking to brian for a while um and he yeah, was like he was like that that show at the smell of babyland he set that up brian miller or got brian kinsman or whatever mm-hmm. he is now yeah. he got married um he was definitely was uh, my gateway into los angeles nice yeah, yeah super nice guy also, Foot Village when Foot when Foot Village played Salt Lake, um, they stayed with us, and I booked that show. And I like totally last second bungled the venue. Like I told them the wrong date. We were all under oh, like yeah. going under like Happens, wrong yeah. assumptions, and so I got them like a last second show at this like heavy metal venue. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like it's all these metal dudes, and then <laughs> they set up in uh, you know in the, in the middle of the in the venue with they had their uh, omnidirectional PA um, and, and the four drums. And, um, and I just remember, like, just all these, like, metal dudes. Um, and, like, right before they played, this guy's like, this is going to be, like, weird. And they're just <laughs> like, oh. Yeah. And then, like, people were just, he like, was right. super, yeah. super into it. Like, by, <laughs> by the end of the show, like, like a pit had opened up and, like, people yeah. were, like, super, super into it. So that was, um, that was, that was a fun kind of scary experience, like, not like screwing up the venue and having to scramble and find yeah. a show last second. But yeah. So yeah, all those all those guys and that True Neutral crew is amazing. Sir Ben have you heard Sir Benedict the Moore? Yeah, we played with him in yeah, Los Angeles with Clifting uh, last fall with when the decided day and evolve went out there. Dude is something else. Um that's awesome. When do they come to Cincinnati? June third, awesome. side central. We could yeah, I'll, I'll let I'll let you know man. Yeah. Get get in on that action. Yeah. Um hopefully I'll I'll still be here. I maybe moving but um i hope i'll be around for that um, you'll, they'll probably be wherever you're at then yeah yeah, yeah 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 and i think they're we're talking about them playing a i co-organized this music festival in denver and they're um playing like a gold rush sponsored show out in denver fantastic so, yeah let's see i think we might have co- i mean there's we haven't covered this i think talk all night yeah <laughs> a fraction of it but um i think I think what we got was was good it's, it's interesting to um to get a perspective um especially so, like because experimental music is just so broad and there's so oh, many yeah. different facets and um for somebody yeah it's 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 whatever you want it to be it's whatever you make it exactly the, the way punk says it is yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and i like that that it's not codified that yeah. um you can say you're an experimental artist or you're into experimental music and that can mean literally anything. Yeah, it like can mean literally you're anything. a jazz dude. It yep. could mean that uh, you're somebody that makes a scraping sound through a distortion pedal. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, well, it was, um, it was great talking. <laughs>